My Texas Table presents the Healthy Brain Podcast. This is the show for people who want to improve their brain stability, clarity, and longevity. Here's your host, certified health coach, Carrie Wainwright-Miller. Hey, my friends, I want to welcome you to the Healthy Brain Podcast, where we stand up and boldly speak the truth about what's healthy in this world, especially when it comes to brain health. I mean, you won't find any sugarcoating in this space. So y'all, today we have got a very special guest on the podcast. I am extremely impressed by this young lady's resume. She received her bachelor's degree in biology and her master of public health from Texas A&M University. She earned her doctor of dental surgery degree from the University of Texas School of Dentistry at Houston, received certification in safe mercury amalgam removal technique through the International Academy of Oral Medicine and Toxicology, and trained in antimicrobial strategies and healing, ozone therapy, and cosmetic dentistry. She is an affiliate of the fellow of the American Academy of Implant Dentistry and a certified Invisalign provider. I am (laughs) so excited to introduce y'all, a biological dentist from League City, Texas, Dr. Callie Hale. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. This is going to be way too much fun. Oh my gosh. I know. So excited to, you know, to just gather all the information, get my notes down, and we'll just go through what we can. And you know, if we run out of time, we run out of time because I know you're so busy. Well, we'll just have to do it again one day. (laughs) So I'm so excited to be here with you today. Thank you for being here on the Healthy Brain Podcast. So let's see. Where should we start? I've got so many questions. You know, like I said, first of all, I just so curious to know what piqued your interest and like catapulted you to the understanding of holistic methods of dentistry for brain health to begin with. Definitely. So that that's such a story. And I feel like I wish we had two hours because I could probably just talk about that transition for me alone. I think as a dentist, when you get out of school, you you know just enough to go out and help people with their teeth and decay, but the systemic health and the overall body function of what happens when you have, for example, recurrent decay or amalgam restorations that are leaching and root canals that might have periapical cysts involved with them and infections in the body that you you just have to focus on all of it instead of pretending that your mouth is not connected to the rest of you. Mm -hmm. And for me, I have to give a lot of credit to my also dentist, younger sister. We are 16 months apart and we both went to A&M, both went to dental school together. I'm also married to a dentist and my parents are both dentists. Yes, you said your parents were dentists. And my older (laughs) sister, Jackie, is our regional manager of the office. So we really just eat, breathe and live teeth all the time. Wow. But my younger sister was traveling with her husband who was playing professional baseball at the time. And so she had a lot more time to research after dental school than I did because I was thrown into a a wonderful, busy practice. And and she just started men talking to me one day and saying, you know, I really think you need to look into protecting yourself a little more with, with amalgam, for example. Yes. And it was, you know, obviously as sisters were very close and it was kind of met with like an annoyance and an eye roll of like, what are you talking about that? You know, if this was even a potentially dangerous material, then we would have been told that and all of it. So mm-hmm. what I learned the hard way was that there's a lot more to play with uh, materials, politics, what we use, why we use it when it was, you know, created and how things have changed since then. And my parents are literally the smartest people I know. And I attribute my success to them and their raising of me. And, you know, I read a book 
that my sister insisted that I read talking about amalgam and and Mm -hmm. all that. And there's lots of evidence. (laughs) You're just not looking for it. You know what I mean? Like it's not something that's presented and you can only learn so much at school. I loved my university. I loved where I, what I learned in my education. I I don't hold them at all accountable for any of that stuff. It's just, there's more to it. I mean, Mm -hmm. people specialize in lots of things outside of dentistry when they're done. And for me, I wanted to make sure that I was keeping myself safe at first, but also the patient and what we were doing and the staff. I mean, if you're, drilling something out that you think could have a harmful vapor of any kind, whether you agree with it or not. Like you just have to figure out where you stand on that and then and go forward to protect yourself. But there was plenty of articles on the IAOMT website, the International Academy of Oral Medicine and Toxicology, where I got my certification. And so I went from reading the book to thinking, okay, there's more to it. I probably need to look into it a little more to getting the SMART certification. And then their website is full of more peer reviewed literature than you'll ever find on this stuff. And so then it was, they made it actually very easy for me to to kind of start forming an opinion on it. Now, I don't hold a sign on my corner, street corner that says, you need to come see me. We're ripping out all your amalgams. It's no. nothing like that. But when they are decayed and they are breaking down and you need to do something about it, there are some extra steps that we go to to make sure that both I am protected and the patient. Yeah, that's all great information. Yeah, thanks for that. We'll all yes. go check that out. <laughs> so Dr. Hill, I was researching the other day and found a July 9th, 2020 article on the NIA website stating that a recent analysis led by National Institute on Aging Scientists suggests that bacteria that cause gum disease are also associated with the development of Alzheimer's disease Absolutely. and related dementias, especially vascular dementia. I mean, the results were reported in the Journal of Alzheimer's Disease. Now, that is quite an analysis. I mean, now that... Yes, quite an analysis. I'm so glad you found that. There must have been some hard evidence to back that statement up. Or, I mean, are we we're talking about periodontitis, right? We are. Yes, absolutely. So, I think it's pretty well known that the the Alzheimer's bacteria, the disease, is a spirochete Hmm. in the brain, and that is found in periodontal disease. And you have all sorts of anaerobic, really vicious bacteria that form when, the, when you start losing the bone around your teeth. And that's what periodontal disease is. You go years maybe without a cleaning. Smoking, smoking's a big cause of periodontal disease. That's mm-hmm. the number one cause of bone loss around the teeth, smoking and diabetes. Right. So you combine that together and then you get these deep pockets that mm-hmm. your toothbrush bristles can't get to, which is why some people have to come in and have the quote deep cleaning done to make sure that we get below the gum. Yeah. And there's lots of different ways to do that. But the brain, heart health, big time. And brain health, 100% linked to that. So those those ailments are aggravated. And they know for sure, there's more research on this now. I'm so glad you found that. But even in heart attacks, they're finding the bacteria from the oral cavity in the plaques of the mm-hmm. artery. So you're talking about vascular Alzheimer's and all of that? Absolutely. Has this been known for years? Are we talking like how long ago are we talking oh, about? Oh, you can go a couple decades, unfortunately, and find stuff like this. Oh, it's just goodness. not mainstream. Yeah. I mean, it is in my office. <laughs> we talk about it every day. But it's, you know, I think sometimes costs can be prohibited for people to do stuff. And it's mm-hmm. if it's not truly <clears throat> explained well, which I am such a firm believer in communication. Like I think my ability to explain what's going on is almost directly linked to, to your acceptance of doing it or not. You know, having that trust, which I value so much with my patients, a lot of them that come to see me have been hurt in some way by allopathic medicine. Yeah. And they, or a dentist that maybe they didn't have a good experience or whatever else. Yeah. And is so, anybody immune to, to the disease? No. No. No, no. I mean, no. A- anybody can get yes. it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So how do we prevent it? Gums your cleanings. Not smoking, of course. Any, any, oral hygiene, big, big, big. 
I mean, you have to floss, you have to, and then diet and gut health for me is like a huge topic where I'm always talking about the gut health of the patient because a high sugary diet, a a starchy diet, things that you shouldn't be eating, high fructose corn syrup, the rest of those, when they hit the gut, it directly communicates with the parotid gland and changes the acidity of the saliva. So if your Mm -hmm. saliva is acidic, which we take a pH of saliva on every patient, every time they walk in the door to try to catch the diet link to the decay, Mm because some people will come in and say, well, I mean, they find a cavity every time I come in and that's frustrating, you know, and just patching it up for them and not explaining why they've got it or what could be happening or maybe there could be a diet change or some help there really doesn't do them any good you know so does, does that mean no coffee or no tea it does or, not uh, mean that it does not mean that okay. <laughs> now i don't you know uh, personally i really do enjoy my cup of coffee but there's a lot of reasons to avoid caffeine of course but uh, if you do coffee without any sugar well then you're a whole lot better off which is what i do yeah exactly how about any mouthwash or anything like that do you so we anything? i do have some cool ones in the office uh-huh. that i love charcoal based ones that are real detoxing oh, okay, yeah. and stuff but for the most most part, the off-the-counter mouthwashes really just give you this facade of being clean because mm-hmm. it makes your mouth feel really minty and it's not really doing anything. Yeah. Best thing you can do is floss every day and brush. Okay. And, and you've talked about like smoking and things like that, but if you're over 50, what risk factors come into play? Are there With any the other? periodontal disease mm-hmm. in particular, mm-hmm. truly yeah. just diabetes and poor oral hygiene. If okay. you're not a smoker... But your oral hygiene and your systemic health is starting to wane. Now, dry mouth is a really big issue. So when you're in your 50s and 60s, yes, and you're taking medications perhaps for other systemic health issues, <laughs> dry mouth is a big deal. Now, yeah. if you're not and you're suffering from the dry mouth, then we have to look at other factors within the whole body. So yeah. dry mouth at bedtime is the worst. Like when you wake up with a really dry mouth, that can be a sign of mouth breathing. Mm-hmm. And hopefully one day you'll come back and you and I can talk about airway because we could talk about that for a really long time. That's a really large part of my practice, but there, there are, there are all, it's multifactorial and it really is patient-based. I have to spend lots of time going through surgical history, past history, genetic mm-hmm. factors and things like that. Okay. Alrighty. So what about treatments for gum disease? Dr. Hale, let's talk about any other treatments for gum disease. I mean, yeah. So what we, we do in the office when you do come in for the deep cleaning is we make sure that we actually kill the bacteria. Hand debridement and scaling is great because you get the tartar off and you get the inflammation oh. away, but you need to treat the pockets. What I don't like to treat the pockets with personally are the antibiotic placement techniques. I have not seen evidence that those are effective, that they stay in the sulcus long enough to be effective. So we implement ozone therapy and laser treatment with every single one of our deep cleanings. Even if you don't have periodontal disease, but you've got this one pocket where you had a wisdom tooth extract and it's a little deeper and it bleeds, Mm -hmm. we treat it with ozone. So you do not prescribe antibiotics? For periodontal disease, absolutely not. Okay. Do you ever prescribe antibiotics? In life-threatening situations. When you have a cellulitis situation coming, absolutely. I get that question a lot because people, you know, we don't want to wreck the gut health. It's very rare that it's needed. You don't need that for like a chronic root canal style cyst that we're talking about removing. But when you have, you know, sublingual swelling or something like that, where I think you're going to end up in the emergency room, there's always a time for that, but it's very limited. Okay. So this is, this is a question I had, and we've already, we're talking about inflammation right now. So that, as far as gut health, it's, it's, we're in talking the disease disease, the gum disease, we're talking inflammation. Absolutely. That's one of the first signs when you have bleeding gums, that mm-hmm. should be a, an immediate trigger that there's something wrong. Okay. So shouldn't we be having more conversations in the dentist office about prevention of gum disease? A hundred percent. All the time. Yes, absolutely. 
Yes. But you don't get that. You right. just go in and have the treatment. Mm-hmm. And I think do that comes down to, to again, the doctor's knowledge on mm-hmm. systemic health right. and the ability to communicate that with the patient, which I feel like I personally excel at now because I just am so passionate about your teeth not making you sick. Mm-hmm. If I could have a sign, it would be, I just want to make sure your teeth aren't making you sick mm-hmm. because they can in ways that people have no idea because they were never taught that or told it from no. their previous provider. No, just brush your teeth yes. twice a day no. and you're no. good to go. <laughs> so much more than that. Yeah. <laughs> so true. So no matter how we look at it, it's clear that brain and dental health are closely connected and individuals should brush their teeth carefully to prevent the development of, you know, the disease. Yes. So, you know, I recently had an appointment with a dental specialist who performs root canals. And I'd love to mention his name, but I won't dare be so tacky. But when I asked him if he performed a root canal with a more holistic approach, he snickered at me and, Mm. and said, Oh, you've been reading way too much on the internet, girl. Those articles, well, they've just all been debunked. I mean, none of them are accurate or hold any weight. So to answer your question, no. Oh, my gosh. You're kidding. <laughs> no. You know, that that is like one of the hardest things because I hear that all the time. And I don't understand. Shame on you for trying to educate yourself, right? Yes, right. absolutely. Yes. Yeah, it, exactly. That's that's awful. And I and, and unfortunately, that doctor is very close-minded because he's mm. missing out on an incredible group of people. My patients are the best in the world, truly. I get people in my chair that care about their health and they want to make themselves better. Mm-hmm. And who looks stupid when they don't know what oil pulling is? Me. Right. right. I learned about it through Dr. Axe. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so that's one of those things where I realized, man, I've got a lot to learn because I learned so much from my patients. And any of you yeah. that are listening to this, I appreciate it so much because they would come in and talk to me about oregano oil, for example natural antibiotics. Yes. I yes. have had patients choose to take that instead and have great results with mm-hmm. it. Legally, I can't advise on essential oils, right? Mm-hmm. But I know so much about how they help. And if they're getting that advice from the person they're buying it from and they trust them and that's okay, as long as they're not in a dangerous situation, I'm so happy. Yeah. Anything that we can use outside of traditional pharmaceuticals, I love to learn about, but you have to have an open mind. And unfortunately, when the provider feels like they don't know something, it's mm-hmm. very natural for them to suddenly debunk it or dismiss mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And I learned very quickly that the only person that looks stupid in that situation is me. So, yeah. <laughs> you got to learn. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, oregano oil, that's that's interesting instead of the antibiotic. Do you ever talk about colloidal silver? Do you ever I do, pull that but into most of my regimen? patients already know about it. It's amazing. But oh, yeah, I mean, I personally awesome. use it with sore throats and things like that. But yeah, we absolutely do. I think colloidal silver was a really hot topic during COVID for disinfection and in lots of ways. So, yeah, we do. Okay. So, let's get back to why I went to the root canal specialist. Let's talk about root canals. Are you for them, against them, and why? So I think, you know, from a doctor perspective, I've got to give the patient all their options, right? Now, does my own personal bias come into that? Of course. And most of them at this point in my career are coming to me because they've been told they needed one, but they what could potentially harm them in that process? I personally biopsy root canals. We can talk about root canals for a long time. And anybody that wants to challenge me, come on in and I'll show you my data. Because I biopsy extracted root canals. We have a large implant practice. So when one goes bad, people usually choose an implant or a bridge, right? And when they're removed, we give the patient the option of having it biopsied in red. And the lab is incredible. And I get a report back with more, information about what is living in that root canal than anybody's ever seen. And I give lectures on this now to show this is what's possible. So know about it. The patient wants to do it. That's fine. But it's discussed first. Mm-hmm. I personally probably wouldn't choose that for my own treatment now. But the the actual root canal treatment is not what the devil is in this situation. It's that you're leaving something dead in the body. 
-hmm. Okay. And if your root canal is needed because you have an abscess already in the bone, there is literature that says you shouldn't choose that treatment because that infection in the bone is going to be a chronic latent source of inflammation that is immune to the lymphatic system in the body because we have severed that by taking the nerve out. So it's not that the dentist is doing some harmful thing with the, the material being used or anything like that. It's that they don't understand what happens when, for, for example, that meridian is now blocked because the tooth is dead or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so when the patient comes in and there is an abscess, we have a totally different conversation. You know, do I have some that still treat that or choose that treatment? I do occasionally. It's rare. If it's a front tooth on a 14 year old and they have to be done growing before we can do something better, we talk about doing that for a limited amount of time, you know, mm-hmm. with the parent. And it's all about informed consent. All of this is about informed consent. I need to tell you the risks involved with any, any of the treatments. Mm -hmm. And then making that decision together. Yeah. So does a root canal have anything to do with the breakdown of your immune system and your nervous system? I had read a little on that. I didn't know if that was, you know, there's so many articles out there. Right. Yeah. So it, so it certainly can, but I think the, the, the the biggest issue with them is that your body can't clear the infection because we've severed them. So as far as a breakdown in the immune system, well, now you're actually harboring anaerobic bacteria that love this warm, wet environment around a tooth that has been severed from the clearance of the body's ability to clean it. So yes and no to that particularly, but more so because it just becomes this chronic source of infection in the jawbone that cannot be cleaned from the tooth inside out. It has to be removed. And I explain when they go bad, because they very often do, that the tooth is the source of the infection, that removing that is going to heal the bone. Gotcha. Okay, I understand. So next I'd like to talk just briefly about fluoride. Okay. What are the Hot risks topic. and side effects? Everybody yes. hears that, but you yes. know, there's, that's a big debate. Right. So personally in my office, very few patients choose that anymore. Do I have it? Wow. I have it. I mean, I can't even remember the last time it's ever been used. When I first bought the practice, it came with a bunch of just typical allopathic patients that were used to getting fluoride. And I would just, oh, I, I really just didn't recommend it. And I had an old guy once say, no, you better give me my, you better give me that on there. And I'm headed to Dairy Queen. And I just burst out laughing. I was like, if you think, I mean, not to his face, of course, but in my mind, I'm like, this fluoride's not protecting you from Dairy Queen. Like, Dairy Queen's the problem, like if you're having teeth issues. So the more I studied the genetic makeup of of children that suffer from different behavioral issues, kids on the spectrum, I realized that the MTHFR mutation, for example, plays a big role in your body's ability to detox metals. Yes. Fluoride in very small quantities, according to the ADA and the rest, are are perfectly safe and harmless and all that. If a child is suffering from MTHFR and you go slap a bunch of fluoride varnish on, even though you tell them not to eat or drink anything, to think they're not swallowing it is very naive, right? They're going Mm -hmm. to be getting some of that into their system, albeit a small amount, that can throw a kid into regression. I've seen it happen. I've had parents come to me and say, this was done. It was in conjunction with like laughing gas or whatever, and they got their fluoride and they had a regression. So it's not something I use on myself or my kids. So if that tells you enough about how I feel about it personally, that's, that's kind of my, my spiel on that. (laughs) Okay. Thank you for that. Okay. So Dr. Hale, I know that you've got to get back to caring for your patients. I just have one more question for you. I'm sure there are quite a few listeners here who were skeptical of this podcast at first. Not sure what the title's going to be, but it's going to throw them off a little bit. It's going to be, you know, so what would you like to leave with that individual who's contemplating changing over to a more holistic approach in oral care? I would say you need to trust your provider. You need to vet them, see where they spend their time learning, where where is their continuing education been? And 
go in and, and talk to them and feel them out. I like to specialize in, in scared patients too. I get patients that have been hurt in the past and they come in and they really just want somebody that will listen to them. I had a patient not long ago that came in shortly after having some oral surgery done and she's been in pain ever since and nobody will believe her. Nobody said there was nothing wrong, like that, you know, cavitations aren't a thing. We That's a whole nother podcast for another day yeah. that she'd had stuff going on. And we found the source of her issue very quickly with our CT scanner and she just needed somebody to hear her out. And I mm-hmm. think the problem is with your traditional bread and butter dentistry offices, that doctor probably has no idea what you're talking about. And that means that they're not the one for you. If you if you're on the fence about this and you want more information, you need to see somebody who studied it, right? Wouldn't that make sense that they would understand Absolutely. that? And then just continue to knock down those doors until you find somebody that you connect with. I certainly don't pretend I'm everybody's favorite dentist or everybody's best friend, but I work as hard as I can to make sure that that communication line is open so I give them resources to read or look into. Mm-hmm. Well, great. Well, you seem like you're the doctor that I want to go to well, I would when love it to comes have to specializing and things right? like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, and of course, you know, Dr. Serge was the one who told me all about you. Oh my you. gosh, I love him. That's He's great. so <laughs> precious. He was my first, he was my second podcast and my interview. Oh, awesome. So he started yes. the show out. It was yes. awesome. So Dr. Hale, I just want to thank you for your time and so the much. opportunity for you to speak with our listeners and just give them some incredible insight into the world of biological dentistry. So tell our audience exactly where we could find you on social Absolutely, media. Yes. My Facebook is New Teeth Dental Solutions League City where I am in League City, Texas. Our website is newteethtexas.com and you can reach us at 281-554-9090. That's awesome. Well, thank y'all so much. Thank Thank you. you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Dr. Hale. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, you have a great day. God bless you. You will too. Bye. This podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not meant to replace personalized advice from your healthcare provider. If you have specific medical questions, please talk to a licensed medical professional.